Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel Cerebral Beverage. Welcome to today's episode with Brian Bolton, VP of Head of Partner uh, Partner Management at Clear. Uh, mouthful for sure, Brian. But um, you know, I, I want to start off with your career path, and and I'm really excited to kind of have you as part of this Next Up Partner series, where we you know we've really dove into a lot of different people's um, not only journey, but different parts of the industry that they're in. Uh, yours over the last at least uh, decade has kind of been in an area where emerging brands and, and technologies uh, have, you know, been kind of at the center uh, for you. And you started off probably on a little bit of a different path. We'll get to that. Um, but nonetheless, really excited to have you. Absolutely. Great to be here. And thanks for having me and uh, see what I can share to add some value. So partner management, uh, I'm sure you didn't like wake up one day and go, okay, I'm going to be doing that for, you know, a technology company. But when you started out, um, I, I have to throw this in there. You were the assistant cheerleader director at the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Where did that, where did that start? Uh, so everybody needs uh, sometimes a little bit help getting in, right? Like what, you know, sometimes the door needs to open for you and then you can show what you can do. And in my case, um, I had a couple of people at Penn who, who helped me out directly, specifically the basketball coach uh, when I was there, Fran Dunphy, who then went on to Temple and is obviously should be a Hall of Fame basketball coach, um, had a, had a, had a uh, contact at the Eagles um, and basically offered me up as an intern. I was an unpaid intern uh, for, for the first summer. Um, and my first day was May 1994, which was the, it was the very first day of Jeffrey Lurie as owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. So back in 1994, um, the marketing department of a professional sports team was typically about three or four people. Uh, and in this case, we had a director of sales uh, who actually was Scott O'Neill. Uh, we had a director of marketing, um, Leslie Matz, who went on to do the same job at the Carolina Panthers newly expansion team. And we had a marketing assistant who I believe left to marry one of the members of Boys to Men, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then I'm the intern. Uh, and so, you know, and the cheerleader director is, uh, you know, a part-time sort of half volunteer, half, you know, poorly paid uh, person. And, and uh, they need somebody to help with the books and the appearance schedule and everything else. So the, the marketing intern gets the autographs from the, for the players and makes the appearances uh, schedule for the cheerleaders and, you know, uh, runs all the promotions for all of our sponsors. So that's, that's the glorious start of Brian Bolton's career, uh, having to wait outside the locker room for, for Ricky Waters to sign a football and getting paid nothing to do it. And then you went to beer. <laughs> and then I went to, then I went to beer. So uh, yeah, a couple of jobs in between, you know, had a, a few, mainly on the sales side. And I would highly suggest that, that basically, you know, anybody who's looking for, for what they should do and they don't really know, go to the sales side first, right? I was fairly timid. Um, um, there and you know Scott and a few others got me uh, you know the confidence I needed to to do some outreach 
that led to a job with Host Communications, which is Learfield IMG College today, which was all sales and, and then execution. Um, and then, you know, it was basically a conversation with another mentor, um, Joyce Myers, who was partners with TJ Nelligan running the NCAA Corporate Partner Program at the time. And long story short, Joyce is a big proponent of education. And uh, let's say she highly persuaded me to apply to at least one business school. Um, basically told me if I didn't do that, uh, you know, I could be fired. Uh, so obviously can't do that. But uh, half jokingly was very, very persuasive in me applying. Um, and that allowed me to transition. So that's my first, my first transition for four or five years, four or five years in sales, in, in sports, like everybody's dream job. And then I left. What, you know, what was I thinking, right? Um, but that, that, that MBA experience, uh, and then um, what turned into a brand management experience, both at high, big companies of Frito-Lay and then, and then Carl Strauss, which was a job that uh, made itself available after 9-11. Uh, we, we all had some trouble getting some, some jobs after business school. Um, led to, you know, coming at it from a brand perspective. And, uh, you know, yes, there's some sports involved at Frito-Lay. I'm, I'm working on the Tostitos Festival and doing CLC deals for licensing college, you know, college marks for, for, for branded Tostitos and things. But I'm also creating FSIs and, you know, um, running a lot of spreadsheets and, and really diving into marketing math, which I really hadn't done before. Uh, so, you know, business school for me was positive. These brand experiences are positive. Um, and that led to then to a whole new industry in 2003, uh, sports marketing and, and specifically sports consulting didn't really exist back then. Obviously there was deals being done, but there wasn't, there weren't agencies that allowed us to, to bring a depth of expertise because the, quite honestly, the investments weren't big enough. Right. And then, then you hit, you start hitting several million dollar, you know, deals and, uh, you know, brand companies need sort of a consultant. And uh, I was brought in, um, moved back east, brought in and, uh, and worked out for Velocity Sports Entertainment, which is now several iterations later, MKTG. So basically the key learning is every single company I've worked for up until now has uh, had a th at least two or three different names since then. But, uh, you know, that led to a whole nother career of advisory work, again, in sports and entertainment, but now I'm trying to sell more, uh, you know, sell more FedEx or sell more Nextel phones or Sprint phones or, you know, Bank of America credit card solutions or whatever it is. We have business objectives and we're leveraging these fairly significant investments to hit those business objectives, uh, you know, by, by tying to fan affinity. So you're going from property side and sales to brand side and brand building to advisory and consulting. And then 2011, I get out entirely. <laughs> and what you, uh, yeah, what did you learn? What did you learn when you first left and you went to to get your MBA? You know, and, and kind of that. Okay, I'm out of sports. I'm you know learning a bunch of different parts of of business. You know, purely business, which then led you to the things you've just mentioned. And we'll get to that kind of that second transition for you. But what did you learn in the first one? Yeah. So 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 that was done with a little bit of urging from Joyce and others. But it was absolutely one of the best decisions that I've ever made, just because of not only what I learned, but the people I, I met with. I did go to a business school for undergrad as well, but this was a completely different experience. I actually listened, right, which was half the battle. Uh, and but no, it, it, you know, we're, we're adults at that point in time. You're, 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 you know, you have a responsibility. You want to be there, um, and that set me up for understanding how um, businesses work more generally. 
right? The beauty of working in sports marketing is a lot of fun. It's sexy and you get some tickets and you get paid like crap, but um, it does not typically lead to large business experiences. Most of the sports property owners or rights holders today are still in, are still small businesses or family-owned businesses. Leagues not notwithstanding, but most of the teams, you know, those types of things. Obviously, there's now ownership groups that are making a difference, and and we're well along the transition from mom and pop, you know, family-owned business to a to a sports entertainment conglomerate, like you know, we're you know Endeavor or wherever I was before. Um, but that, but having that, that holistic business experience, um, from the, across all the piece, right. The product development, pricing strategy, distribution or placement strategy, not just promotion, um, was something that, uh, you know, allowed me to, to, to have a, a, um, a mindset that says, okay, I can, I can come at this from many different angles, not just the one I was doing before. And then you know, you, you were about to mention kind of that second transition, right? You leave sports and entertainment as a whole. And what was that next transition like? And what was the, what was kind of the strategy or at least intention behind it? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was coming off of the, uh, financial crisis. Um, I had made a decision to, to, I also had two kids under two who was looking to try and, you know, change the world in a more positive light, um, versus, versus some of the work I was currently working on. Um, that was a poor decision. Uh, you know, I was, was laid off by our board as donations plummeted. Um, and that, you know, did some work in, in the interim with, with basically what I was doing before. So I, I was now at my third agency uh, by that point. Um, you know, looking again to try and diversify my knowledge set, my, my value proposition, et cetera. Um, and to that end, I really was really getting into e-commerce at that point in time and digital. I felt like there was, you know, the, between 2000, 2009, .com is fun, but it's a bubble and it's whatever. And, you know, but now starting in the late 2000s, e-commerce is a thing and digital marketing is starting to take over from all the traditional share. Money is being spent on websites for the first time. Well, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, email is a thing, CRM is a new term, right? So um, the, the ability to go into digital marketing was, was very attractive to me. And I had that chance to, to uh, join um, uh, something again, tied to sports, but in digital marketing e-commerce, which was GSI Commerce. I was there for eight days before eBay bought it for $2.4 billion from uh, Michael Rubin, who owned GSI. The spinoff of that, because, because eBay can't own its inventory, that's not part of its mission, was Fanatics, because Fanatics actually own the inventory. So, uh, so like I say that eight days I created Fanatics, but like that's, you know, no idea what's going on, obviously, other than we had a lot of great opportunity to go deep into digital marketing. Um, and again, more diversified there. Yes, we ran the web stores for the five major sports leagues and Dick Sporting Goods and uh, you know, a lot and uh, sports authority and things, but we're also running, you know, e-commerce for Toys R Us and GNC and, uh, you know, helping Ahold USA and Lucky Brand Jeans and, and hundreds. And we're doing this from, a, from three different ways. Now I sat in the marketing group because that was my interest, but we actually ran the platform. So we had a technology group, we ran the fulfillment. So we had pick, pack and ship centers and call centers. And I'm learning all sorts of things on how to create you know, literally an e-commerce or, or direct consumer company that I'd never even thought to learn before. And again, my interest still had a sports tie 
in a very small way. Um, when eBay and PayPal split in 15 though, our division, which was an enterprise level division was sort of um, shuttered, split off for parts and pieces and sold off. And so I had to look again and uh, I was gonna go to Accenture Digital um, about to, but there was a lot of travel involved there as a consultant and it was a bit challenging. And out of the blue comes a, potentially, a potential offer to um, have a conversation with WMEIMG at the time. Um, so here we go, fourth agency, what am I doing this again? Oh, my, no, I actually said, no, I'm not interested to the recruiter. No, thank you. You know, I'm gonna take this Accenture job. It's, it's great, it's really you know, challenging mentally, but it'll be, you know, it'll be a little taxing on the travel, so we'll see. It's like taking an interview, I learned that the, the, the client was uh, the newly won Anheuser-Busch business. So I was asked to lead, you know, from an agency side, the largest portfolio in, in sports. Um, that'll get you to go back to the agency side. So, <laughs> And, and, it, and in, a, in a weird way, it connects to one of your first jobs too. It does. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes things come full circle when you least expect it to. Yeah, I mean, the beer experience, you know, Carl Strauss in San Diego, um, you know, Bud Light does more in probably 10 minutes than Carl Strauss does in a year. But, uh, you know, yes, there was obviously some institutional knowledge I could bring there. But this was, but the, what I liked about it was it was actually very entrepreneurial. You would think, you wouldn't think a WME IMG and Anheuser Busch would be, would, would provide an entrepreneurial experience. But this was their first ever agency in the space. Obviously, Bush Media had just been blown up. And, we needed to create processes. We needed to create communication structures. We needed to create organizational structures. We needed to create everything from scratch and go as fast as possible because everything already was there waiting for us to work on it. And so the first day that we, we took over the business um, or that I had started on the business, which is a couple weeks after the couple of the uh, other team members, um, we all met. So the, the WME, IMG and AAB team met for the first time together and we didn't know who worked for who which was beautiful because they were all brand new as well. They had all come from other divisions in the company or other departments or other countries or other companies. So they had 10 people all brand new on their side. We had 14 on ours, all brand new to this business. And uh, it allowed for, for basically a startup environment mentality from, from scratch. What's the biggest difference between that type of environment where there is that startup mentality versus something that's already been established. It's already a you know, well-working machine um, and you're kind of just, again, you know, not to say kind of following the, the motion of the wheel and just kind of plugging and playing. Right. But it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, there are, it really is personal choice of interest. So, you know, I happen to like to, to build and to go and to, to, um, just sort of make calls and, and, you know, based upon data and insight and, and then just try it. Um, you know, these larger companies that are more established, you're, you're a curator, you know, you're already running a billion dollar or $10 billion or whatever it is piece of business. Your job's not to screw it up, which is also a very hard job, right? So it's not like one's better than the other. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, where do you find your passion? Um, for me, um, I thrive more in the unknown and then the entrepreneurial and the startup. And again, did I love the fact that we had, you know, multi-billion dollar companies on both sides while we create this infrastructure. So I already had, you know, all the operational stuff in place, plus all the resources for any questions I might've had uh, as it relates to, to that business. Absolutely. That was the best of both worlds. 
you know, if you can find that where you can do a sort of a, a startup within a larger corporate environment where you can just sort of take advantage of those resources, but they sort of leave you alone. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so that was, that was the great, you know, experience there. And that led to some more projects and, and other pieces of work, including some pitch work. One of those pitches ended up being, um, you know, a, a, a fairly new company, a couple of years old, but not yet on the radar too much um, called Smile Direct Club. So yes, uh, again, um, startup mentality, uh, you know, I pitched them for, for Endeavor, at that point Endeavor, to be art, be the agency. Um, you know, the person who was a CMO there uh, or CDO then CMO um, was my boss at eBay. So I thought we were like, this is an easy layup. Like he's gonna be my client, this is fantastic. And next thing you know, I'm moving to Nashville, Tennessee. So a lot of things, a lot of trends you're seeing now currently, and that's why Next Up I think is in a perfect position, is a lot of these uh, old, uh, older structured agencies, like the ones I've been at, which are great, they're sort of not getting the opportunities as far as I can see, I mean, COVID notwithstanding, but generally, because a lot of that's being hired internally because they wanna move faster or they wanna be more nimble. And obviously stuff's being project out or there might be a gap or there may be a little bit of a hole from a personnel perspective. And that's why the next step model is such a great model in my opinion, because you know, it really just does drive depths of expertise at a flexibility of an independent consultant. So it is like the model that I just described where you're in a entrepreneurial environment within a organized structure of resources. Um, and you know, that was, Smile Direct was great and, uh, until uh, our IPO and then COVID. <laughs> and then it wasn't so good, <laughs> but it wasn't so good for a lot of other people uh, last year as well. So, um, you know. Well, Brian, I mean, look, throughout your entire story, right, the word transition is pretty, um, it's, it's often, but it's also, you were able to take the transition and take, you know, advantage of it and make the most of it in each and every way. But each and every one was a little bit different. Um, can you just talk about how to handle transition, right? There's a mental component to it. There's a timing component to everything, of course, but also there's, yes, there's timing on the outside, but there's also that internal timing, like what's in your head? What, you know, what are you patient enough for? All of that sort of stuff. Um, just talk through that, uh, that transition phase. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, does anybody want to graduate from college or get their first job thinking they're going to go have 10 more in 25 years or whatever to 27 years? No, right? Like, would I prefer not to have this much transition? Probably. But some of them were opportunities and some of them were, were, were you know, just sort of, you know, not my decision. Um, so the beauty of it is you have to focus on what you want to where you think you can add value and what then what experiences you want to, to grow and develop yourself as well. And not just professionally, but personally with the people you want to work with and the culture you want to be in and that type of thing. Um, so, so how I handled, you know, the, the, the transition when, when you get recruited and, and go to a new bigger job is a little easier. The transition when you get laid off and I've had three extended layoff periods. So after 9-11, 40% of our class was unemployed at graduation after spending 80 grand which isn't a fun feeling. I was uh, unemployed for seven months after, uh, during, the, um, during the financial crisis. And then with COVID after the layoffs last year, uh, I was unemployed 13 months before I uh, landed at Clear. Um, the first time is really scary. 
um, especially when you're just coming out of two years of not earning anything already before that, really. Um, the second time was really scary at two kids under two. Um, and the third time was not so bad. And so why is because every single time you make that, that transition, you have to understand what you can control and what you can't control. And it took me a long time, quite honestly, to figure out that you can't control everything uh, that you want, even when you try. So, um, and it's not because you want to control, it's because you're just trying to predict what you want best for yourself and the people around you. And um, you, you have to be able to say, okay, that happened. I didn't expect that. What can I be doing? What would I like to do? In fact, actually, this forced sabbatical that I call it for the last, last during COVID was actually, other than the fact that, you know, certainly I needed a paycheck, wasn't, wasn't bad because I, I was like, okay, there's things I still want to do. And I still, and, and, and joining Next Up and helping Next Up, you know, um, get off the ground was one of those things. Like I now actually, I am now in the, in the position of, where coach Dunphy was for me 25 years ago. And so I'm, you know, uh, mentoring um, the, the men's women's basketball players at Penn through this whole transition time, obviously supporting next up with, with uh, everything I can do to help there. Um, I took as many calls from other people who were looking for positions as much as I try to get on interviews just to connect and, you know, um, do zoom happy hours and things of that nature. There's actually stuff I can provide now. And by the way, you don't have to be 25 years in, to do that. I didn't it just took me long enough, took me, took me a long time to realize that. You're a year in, you can help somebody else. And so there's always a, you can use your time wisely and you know, and you'll figure out the rest. You know, the money part um, is is uh, is stressful, but of all the other things, health, family, those type, you know, um, you know, relationships, those are more important. Um, and and again, those are things I learned later. Um, not necessarily was in, a, in the best prioritization of mindset um, or, you know, early in my career. So a couple of pieces of advice I'd, I'd pass along to those just starting out. Yeah, those, I mean, and you mentioned the transition component. There's the getting laid off component. There's the, you know, transitioning from one job to the next, how you handle that. There's the starting in the industry, kind of going from, as you mentioned, like the, the team side to then the brand side, right? There's there's different environments that you're about to walk into, different dress codes, different personalities, <laughs> right? I mean, when you really think about it, transition can mean a lot of different things. And, you know, I'd with that, I'd love to move into kind of our brain fuel segment where, you know, we're talking about kind of the mental mindset around um, getting in the zone, right? Ultimately, being able to be your best self at work and not only at work, but then as you mentioned, kind of the personal things, the health, you know, the, the family, the relationships, the friends, et cetera, because it all is integrated. Uh, I'm throwing the word balance out of my life. It is not balance anymore. It's integration, right? And it's, it's how does it all fit and work together as kind of that thousand puzzle uh, piece, puzzle piece, you know, it's, there's always one that you can turn over, tweak a little bit differently, um, so with that, you know, we've asked, you know, would you have the brain of certain individuals, but because you've worked in so many different places, I'm going to ask you just blank slate. Is there a brain of one individual you've worked with that you would love to have for a day? Oh gosh. Um, wow. So I, I'd have to give that a, a little thought, but I think the ones that I've admired the most are the ones who are able to integrate the best 
right? And I totally am on board with you. And I'll throw out a couple names in a second, but I'm totally on board. Like balance is an assumption that you have control over all the inputs and then therefore you can balance them. Integration means you take whatever comes your way and you make it work, right? And that flexibility um, is, is something that, uh, that I've always, you know, uh, tried to do, try to do and continue to try and work on because it's a, it's certainly a, it was, and is a, con a continued focus. Um, one person who is, you know, a good friend of mine, um, who I think does this better than most, um, is that person I worked with at both eBay and Smod Rec Club. I also went to undergrad with him. His name is John Sheldon. He's the CMO of Smod Rec today. Um, so all the sports people I worked with, I, I call it the non-sports guy, right? Like, which is pretty funny. Um, so the, um, you know, his ability to take a lot of inputs, digest them, tackle them in an order of importance based upon the impact of the decision he needs to, or the time he needs to put in, um, which includes, by the way, yeah, his family, you know, his, his, uh, his health and those types of things are all a very, very, um, um, uh, you know, integrated, I, I believe. Now, he could be just hiding it completely. Uh, but uh, if he is, he's hiding it better than anybody else I've ever met. Um, so, you know, I think another person that I was always admired of uh, that I worked for that I thought did a good job internalizing um, and, and, and managing through that stress was John Shea, who's now the president of Octagon. Um, he, you know, he, I rolled up to him a little bit on the, the sprint work with NASCAR and, um, always thought he was, you know, a cool mind, cool head. Um, and, uh, always impressed by that. Some of the people I work with now, um, you know, uh, my current boss is, uh, is Jerome Pickett. So he was the, uh, chief security officer of the NBA. Um, you know, we were on, we worked all weekend long. Um, we had calls last night till nine o'clock with the senior leads of the company. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired and stressed and, and he sends me a note. And he easily says last night, um, you know, yeah, there's a lot of stress going on, but just remember at my old job, I used to get shot at cause he was a secret service agent before he was at the NBA. So I'm like, there's perspective. Like, there you go. Like, you know, yes. Okay. We're changing lives. We're improving lives. We're trying to get people back to normal. We're trying to get people to do it healthy. But, but I'm not a doctor, like I'm literally not a brain surgeon. And, and as much as we all work and as hard as we all work, you know, it's sometimes to have those, those great, um, those great uh, centering moments. Uh, and the, the people who have done the best uh, of that um, are, are, are fantastic, including the people in my, on my, the personal side of my life too. Absolutely. So how do you mentally prepare for your day? And obviously each day is different and that can, that can change from day to day, but how do you try and best mentally prepare? Yeah, so um, so uh, I've been poor at it for the past couple of weeks, to be honest. Uh, but 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 I'm I'm you know making the, the double down recommitment. And and time, by the way, is is always available. It's just prioritization that's the, that's the decision. So for me, the time in the morning is getting up. I try and do my workouts in the morning. A um, couple of things that I've learned over the past couple of over this past year. So uh, a few years ago, I started getting into the the CrossFit. Uh, workout you can tell because i am huge now if you see this video you'll notice i'm as skinny as anybody comes but it, i did it because i, I just i like the environment i did it my own pace and i scaled everything back but the head coach of, of my crossfit when it closed started his own thing and he brought on a nutritionist and he brought on a health coach and like as part of my um you know um 
my, my membership. You know, he bought me this book, which is the one minute gratitude journal, which I should have had right in front of me. But I saw so this one minute gratitude journal, three or four things that I'm grateful for that day that it's sunny outside or, you know, uh, my daughter's soccer game or whatever it might be. Um, and so between the, between the physical workout and sometimes it's just a walk, like, you know, or 15 push up, it's not a lot. Um, and then the, the, the mental workout between, um, the grat the one minute gratitude journal and then breathing exercises and stretching exercises. So, uh, one of the endeavor, um, senior leadership retreats I went to that we had a four-star general who was talking about stress when he had to literally make life and death situations on, you know, where to drop bombs and things. And he talked about uh, the breathing technique, the four box breathing technique where you hold and, and inhale, exhale, et cetera, or the seven, sorry. So I try and do that. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just do um, some core st stretching as well. So I feel like everything's loosened up. It doesn't take long. Um, and then I jump in. Uh, I do my best work in the morning. If you want to go deep, I try and prioritize the hard meetings, the, 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 the big decisions for the mornings. Um, because by the end of the day, I'm starting to, to you know, um, just focus on what needs to get done now uh, to finish out the day versus the big decisions going forward. Um, huge believer also, I try to remind myself every day in the morning of um, the Amazon uh, principle of uh, one-way doors and two-way doors. So if you haven't heard of that, um, you know, 99% of the decisions we'll make uh, are two-way doors. We go through the door. If it wasn't the right door, we could go back through the door and try a different door, right? That's nine, you know, almost every decision we'll make is a two-way door. There are big decisions we make both in professional and personal life where there's one-way doors, where you go through that door and you ain't coming back, right? And those are the ones you want to really structure, prioritize, um, and, uh, you know, in a four-box matrix, you want to put them as timely and important. You put those first. Um, so those are the sort of the mental exercises and physical exercises that go through in the morning and the rest of the day is uh, just trying to serve others um, as best as I can. My team, my, my clients, my partners, our fans, um, you know, in this case, and then my family, uh, et cetera. You know, it's one thing to kind of get ready, right, and, and mentally prepare, but then to sustain, right, through the, through the rest of the day from a productivity standpoint is a whole nother thing. How do you, what's, what's your secret to being productive that ultimately gives you your advantage? Yeah. So lunch, uh, I found out that you guys to eat lunch. Um, yeah. Eat something, get a little protein. Um, you know, uh, this too, I, if you're not showing the video, it's a gallon of water. Um, Wait, and, hold on, hold that back uh, up. You've got, some, <laughs> you've got some phrases on there. So we got good morning. You've got it. Remember you're cool. That's it. Keep drinking, no excuses, a little bit more and well done. I love it. That's good reminders. Yes. And it also shows this is how you live life. Like you want those big, um, you know, goals. You just don't get a big goal, right? Like if I want this new job, like what are the 10 things you need to do in between? And those incremental steps is what keeps me going through the day. Like, and to your point, like exactly what are the things that are, that are most important next that'll lead to the goals we want to achieve that day, this week, you know, going forward. Um, because there's a lot of distractions and it's easy to get distracted. Uh, you know, our, the new corporate environment here is heavy on Slack and email and texts and phone and Zoom, like a lot of other places, I'm sure. But, oh my gosh, like, this is nuts. Like, especially the Slack, it's insane. So, you know, the, the keeping things, uh, I try and 
bucket them. If I'm in a meeting, I'm trying not to look at Slack. I turn the little sound off. You know, if they know to get me, then, you know, my, my team and my bosses, like they know to call me or, or text me. So I get very few of those. Um, and then if it's external, you know, we're, we're trying to set the time. I'm not trying to place any calls with the hope. So the calendar is pretty structured, but I am finding those breaks between the day, uh, that, that same coach, uh, that team that I work with, they're very big into micro breaks. So you get up, you do 30 seconds of, of stretching. You get, uh, you walk around, you take the next meeting standing up and walking around. You, um, one, one I got this morning is, um, if you have a couple minutes in between meetings, um, blasts music. Um, so, you know, these are, I'm finding, I mean, this, I haven't been on the Zoom environment myself. Like everything I was doing was in person up until COVID. So I'm definitely feeling the, the Zoom fatigue. And these are all little great reminders to, to um, you know, take those, those micro breaks. Um, and then at night, uh, you know, it can just keep going, right? Like, you know, West Coast clients or, uh, you know, a team working late or whatever it might be. Um, the idea there is to set your boundaries. So, you know, um, you know, my boss does a good job of that. He's got a, uh, you know, young, young, uh, young kid and, and, and only get to see him a couple hours a day between when they're awake. So, you know, we all understand that, that, you know, he's, unless you really need him, please don't, you know, that 90 minute window, please uh, try and, you know, stay away. And that's a good thing, right? Like that's, that's, that's just a, uh, everybody needs so we all have our own time for for family or responsibilities um to, to try and again integrate everything as best as we can no absolutely I, you know i was going to ask you what the most important aspect of of the mental side of you know sports business as a whole but i can imagine you'd answer with you know controlling the controllables right and understanding uh kind of your approach uh, as you you know you just ran through and just staying consistent to it um, anything that you would add to that? Yeah, I'd say be yourself. I think one, you know, when I was like, when I was younger, um, I always felt like I had to like prove something that I, you know, like just, you, you should be proud of the work you're doing, but you know, there's a lot of, I feel like the, I mean, there's a lot of egos in, in corporate America period, but, but within the sports and entertainment industry, there's a lot of egos. Um, and it just be you, like, you don't have to compete with that. Like, that's just, you just have to demonstrate your value and, and just, and be your, and be true to yourself and, and, and those who you're serving. Um, and then, you know, from there, like, make sure you take those breaks, like, you know, make sure you, you're, you're, ba you're balancing or you're integrating, um, the, you know, the, the needs you have, uh, where you, you personally is one of those needs. Um, so everybody's like, oh yeah, I'm trying to take care of family and friends and work and, you know, community or whatever. And, uh, and long story short, you also, you are one of those, uh, stakeholders as well. And don't forget that. Absolutely. And if you have a dog to take care of, you take care of the dog too. Exactly. <laughs> so. That's, uh, that's Betty, the golden retriever. Who's very happy to see somebody. There you go. Well, Brian, really appreciate your time, insights, perspectives. Um, loved hearing your story, you know, the different transitions, how to react to transitions, and hopefully our, our listeners can take a few uh, good nuggets away from that. So thank you again for the time. You're welcome. It was great. I appreciate the chance to say hi and happy to follow up with anybody if anybody has any direct uh, questions or, or needs. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at 
brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like Brain Fuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.